Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worf. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise. Good morning, everyone. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Uh, eventually, we're going to read uh, verse 23. Uh, as you turn there, uh, again, just want to thank everybody for your prayers and your support and your service for our Easter weekend. Uh, to the glory of God in, in our Easter celebrations, we had over 1,100 people worshiping the Lord at Chapel of Change. And more importantly, people gave their lives to the Lord. And today we're actually baptizing some people that gave their lives to the Lord last Sunday. So God is moving in a special way. Um, as we open up the Bible this morning, I want to continue... Uh, the sermon series that I started last Sunday at the Carson Civic Center. And what I want to do is go back to that message and expound on it and explain it even in more detail uh, because I figured that because it was such an exciting day and many people were serving uh, that many people didn't get the full message. They didn't get the full impact of the message. So I want to come back and expound and explain in more detail. Now, as you uh, study your Bible, in particularly the life of Jesus, you'll learn that Jesus made uh, seven bold I am statements who reveal who he is. They reveal who he is. Uh, particularly in the Gospel of John, you'll notice that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. Now these powerful I am statements, they reveal who Jesus really is. And as I set up this series that we're going to launch into for the next six weeks, this series on studying the I am statements of Jesus, uh, I want us to think about a couple things. Um, I, I don't want us to fall in love with Jesus just for what he can do for us. There's many people that fall in love with Jesus because of what he can do. Now, we believe and we recognize that Jesus is a healer, amen? That Jesus is a deliverer, amen? That Jesus sets people free, that Jesus gives salvation, that Jesus gives miracles, that Jesus gives us peace. And we thank God for all that Jesus does. But what I want us to think about in these coming weeks, my brothers and sisters, is I don't want us to be consumed with what he does. I want us to be consumed with who he is. 
I want us to fall in love with Jesus for who he is. And so uh, I want to present to us uh, my big idea for these next couple weeks that we're going to constantly go back to as we study the scriptures together. I want to put the big idea on the screen. This is what I want us to think about for these next six weeks. And that is, as we grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is, uh, we will also grow in our confidence in what he said he will do. I want us to think about this. This is our big idea for the next six weeks as we study the word of the Lord together as a church family. As we grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is, we will also grow our confidence in what he said he will do. Now, Jesus has promised to do many things in our life. Amen? Jesus has promised to restore our life. Jesus has promised to heal our life. Jesus has promised to answer our prayer. In fact, there are a lot of statements where Jesus said, I will do this. I will do that. And eventually we'll study the I will statements of Jesus. For example, in Matthews eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and are heavy burdens, and I will, someone say I will, I will give you rest. So that's an I will statement right there. That's a promise. He says, I will give you rest. Another example is in John chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus gives this powerful I will statement. He says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will, someone say I will, I will do it. So there are many wonderful I will promises in the Bible, and there's more uh, than what I just mentioned, but I don't want us to fall in love with Jesus for what he does. Let's fall in love with Jesus for who he is. Are you falling along? So we need to grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is. And so I encourage you to commit the next several weeks to us on Sundays here at 1015, worshiping together, um, praying together, but also studying the Bible together and growing in our knowledge of who Jesus is. Someone shout amen. Now, to do that, I want to start off by going back to the story of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And I'm going to expand on some of the same principles that I brought last week at the Civic Center. I'm going to expound on them, and I'm going to explain them in a little bit more detail. Now, remember, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were a prominent family in the kingdom of God during the days of Jesus. Now, every time I think of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus as a family serving the Lord, I get excited because in the kingdom of God, in every generation, there are always families that link together and say, we are going to serve the Lord together in our generation. We're going to give to God, we're going to serve God, we're going to worship God, we're going to praise God. And I thank God 
for the families in the kingdom of God. Um, I look at our church and I see many of my families. I just came back from our Carson campus. I saw my, my aunt who raised me since I was a little baby was there worshiping the Lord. Last night at our Whittier campus, uh, part of the worship team was my cousin who I grew up with. And so uh, the kingdom of God is made up of families who serve together, pray together, and press forward in the kingdom of God uh, together. And Martha and Mary and Lazarus was that type of family to Jesus. Remember Martha and Mary, they gave a dinner to Jesus. They served Jesus. They followed after Jesus, and they loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them. By the way, I want to give you some encouragement. Some of us are believing for our family to serve the Lord. Some of us are still believing for our spouse or our kids, and I want to encourage you, just keep on believing the Lord. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep serving the Lord, because eventually your salvation will rub off on your family. Someone shout amen. So Martha and Mary's brother Lazarus got sick gravely ill and they begin to take care of him and before Jesus gets to Lazarus he ends up dying and we know the story that Jesus comes to Lazarus and Jesus raises him from the grave one of the most powerful miracles uh, that Jesus does is he raises Lazarus from the grave but I want to suggest uh, that there were some lessons that took place in between Jesus finding out about Lazarus and Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. There are some lessons that we can learn from. There are some lessons that can strengthen us. And so today, I want us to read from John chapter 11, verse 23 through 27. And this is before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So let me read this passage of scripture. It says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Someone say last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am, someone say I am, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading the hearing, and the doing of his word. I, I shared last Sunday that I really believe that at different times, God will take a worst-case scenario and turn that situation around as an example of his power, an example of his glory, and an example of what he can do in our generation. I really believe that God oftentimes will search out for a worst case example and he'll pour his power, his restoration power into that situation to show to the world that he is still on the throne. Now when I think about worst case scenarios, Lazarus is that worst case scenario. He's a worst 
case scenario because he had been dead for four days. He had been dead for four days. And that matters. That matters. When you think of how long Lazarus has been dead, it matters that this is a worst case scenario right before us. So do you know what happens uh, to a body after being dead for four days? Let me, let me remind us. Um, the body stiffens after about three hours. Uh, the blood drains out of the body. Uh, after about 24 hours, uh, bacteria begins to break down the body. Uh, Lazarus was so messed up in his body that when Jesus went to raise him from the dead, Martha kind of stopped him and said, Jesus, you don't understand. By now, he stinks. He stinks. And so I want to suggest to us, as we think about this encounter, that Lazarus is not just dead. He's dead, dead. He is great, seriously dead. And Martha and Mary are confused. Martha and Mary are discouraged. And it's in this moment where Jesus invades their sorrow. It is in this moment where Jesus invades their brokenness. It is in this moment where Jesus invades their death. Now, maybe you have come to church this morning and you are in the midst of a situation that is not just dead, but it is dead, dead. Maybe you come to church this morning and you're in the midst of a situation that stinks, that is messed up, that people are saying there's no hope for it, there's no chance for it. Well, we want to remind you this morning that there is hope available in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to remind you that there is fresh hope available in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Martha and Mary and Lazarus' miracle was rooted in the statement that Jesus gives in verse 25. I'm going to put it back up on the screen. This is what we're going to dissect today. Their miracle was rooted in verse 25. This is what he says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Their miracle, their, 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 their experience with God, their restoration was rooted in this statement from Jesus. And so today, as we look to the word together, I want to give us understanding. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me uh, will live even though they die. What does he mean by that passage of scripture? That's our goal for this morning. The first thing that I will point out that I think is very noteworthy, as we look at this encounter, the first thing that I will point out is that Jesus reveals himself before he shows his power. I want us to note this in our mind. I want us to think about this for a couple moments. That Jesus doesn't uh, raise Lazarus from the dead and then say, this is who I am. That's not what he does. I want us to notice that the first thing that Jesus does is he reveals himself to Martha. 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And I think that's noteworthy. I think that, that, that order is important to grasp, that he tells Martha who he is before he shows what he can do. Are you following along? Did you catch that? He tells Martha who he is before he shows her what he can do. He doesn't show her the miracle first and then reveal himself to him, uh, her. No, no, no. He reveals himself. He shows who he is first. So this, this leads us to think, and I want us to think this morning. Do you want to know God or do you want to use God? Do you want to know God, or do you want to just use God? I want to let somebody know today that, that, that more than granting your prayer, more than healing your situation, God wants to reveal himself to you. More than answering your prayer. More than giving you what you want, he wants to reveal himself to you in a more powerful way. In fact, I would suggest to us the reason why many Christians' faith grows stale over time is because they never get an upgraded revelation of who God is to them. They live off a revelation that they got five years ago. They live off a revelation that they got 10 years ago. And they think that's going to that's gonna fuel them for the rest of their life, but it's not. Every now and then, you need an upgraded revelation of who Jesus really is in your life. This is one of the reasons why we gather regular. This is one of the reasons why we worship together. This is one of the reasons why we pray together. This is one of the reasons why we study God's word together. is so that we can get an updated revelation of who Jesus is. If you get that updated revelation, it's going to set you on fire no matter what you're going through. But it's interesting because typically... The upgraded revelations come during the hard moments of our life. This revelation of Jesus to Martha did not come when everything was going right in her life. This revelation of Jesus to Martha did not come when, when she was soaring high in life. No, it came to her in the midst of discouragement. It came to her in the midst of depression. It came to her in the midst of of disappointment and so I want to encourage somebody today don't throw away your bad time don't throw away your hard season for it is in your hard season if you if you fall to your knees and you seek the face of God you'll get an upgraded revelation of who Jesus is and it will set you on fire it will set you on fire so God wants to give someone here an upgraded revelation God is telling someone is you can't live off five years ago's revelation of me. You need to get down on your knees. You need to pray. You need to worship. You need to seek my face. So, so Jesus reveals who he is before he shows his power. The second thing that I want to note is when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was teaching that he is the source of life. He is the source of life. And I want us to note that Jesus doesn't just give life, he is life. Jesus doesn't just give power, he is power. Jesus doesn't just give peace, 
He is peace. And the, the, the more you get a revelation that Jesus is life, the stronger your faith will be to receive the life that Jesus gives. That he is not just uh, giving you life, but he is life. And in fact, Jesus says, I am. He said, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, this is a bold revelation that Jesus gave because I am is the holy name of God. I am is the holy name of God. Remember I shared with you last uh, Sunday that when God revealed himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and God sent Moses to go set his people free in Egypt. And Moses says, who am I going to say is going to send me? What is your name? Remember, we learned in Exodus 3, verse 14, that God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say uh, to the Israelites. I am. Someone say, I am. I am has sent me to you. Wow, that sounds familiar. Jehovah God, Exodus chapter 3, reveals himself as the I am. The self-existent one, that's what that means. The self-existent one, the one that always was, the one that is, the one that always will be. The self-existent one, the one that always was, the one that is, the one that, all, that always will be. Man, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound familiar about Jesus? Uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. God, Jehovah, in the Old Testament, reveals himself as the I am. And Jesus comes along in the New Testament, and he makes these seven bold statements. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I am the resurrection. What is he doing? He's revealing himself to be the God of creation. He's revealing himself to be more than just human. In fact, in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus looked at the religious folk and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Listen, Jesus revealed himself to be the great I am. And in doing so, he's revealing himself as the source of everything that lives. The source of everything that lives. He's revealing himself to be the one who can create something out of nothing. He's telling Martha, I am the solution to your power or problem. I am the restoration to your brokenness. I am the comfort to your pain. See, the reason why Jesus said I can give life is because he is life. And the more you understand that he is life, the stronger your faith will be to receive that life when you're going through discouragement, when you're going through disappointments. In John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all of mankind. Jesus was life. In John chapter 5, verse 26, it says, For as the Father has life in himself, 
so he granted the son also to have life in himself. Someone say life. life. See, this is the type of life that raises you up out of depression. This is the type of life that raises you up out of insecurity. This is the type of life that raises you up out of failure. This is the type of life that lifts you out of bondage. This is the type of life that sets you free. This is not the type of life that is just for heaven. This is the type of life that brings heaven down to your life and overflows in everywhere you go. This is the type of life that puts a smile on your face even in the midst of hell and high water. That's the God kind of life. That's the life that overflows and fills you with joy and peace, unspeakable and full of glory. I shared with y'all a couple weeks I had the opportunity to go into a maximum uh, security prison in Lancaster. I want to show you this picture of this group of people that I went into prison with and they put me in a chapel, real small chapel that was filled with prisoners and there wasn't no security, <laughs> there wasn't no guards, it was filled with prisoners and we we're kind of shoulder to shoulder and in the worship and in the praise, I noticed that these guys were jumping up and down I noticed that these guys were clapping real loud. I noticed that these guys, they didn't know how to sing, but they were making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And they were singing loud. There was one little speaker, but they didn't need the speaker. They were, they were, they were lifting their voices unto the Lord. And I sensed there was something different, and I was amazed because the host got up, and the host reminded us that Mostly everybody in that chapel was sentenced to life in prison. So I really started to look around there. Where's the security guards at? And I seen the smiles on their face. I seen the joy in their heart. And I said to myself, that's the life of God overflowing out of their heart. That's the life of God overruling their physical situation. That's the life of God invading their sorrow. That's the life of God invading their disappointment. I was sitting next to a Polynesian brother from Inglewood. He was sentenced 120 years to life, but he had this gigantic smile on his face, and he gave me the most powerful hug in the universe, and that is the God kind of life. Lifting them out of their circumstance. That's what Jesus came to give us. That's what he came. That's what he meant when he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Thirdly, what does this mean when he says, I'm the resurrection and the life? It means that Jesus is a present help. Uh, I want to remind you, Martha tells 24, he says, I know my brother will rise again in the last day. Someone say last day. That's the day of judgment. That's the day where everybody gets raised from the grave. So Martha is thinking in the future, but Jesus responds and says, I am the resurrection. I am. So let's think about that for a second. That phrase, I am, is present tense. Jesus doesn't say, uh, I have been. Jesus doesn't say, I will be, but he says, I am. Like right now, 
in your heartbreak right now, in your disappointment, disappointment right now, in your discouragement right now, uh, in your uh, mess up right now, in your failure. And I love this about Jesus. I love that he has the courage to invade our sorrow. I love that he has the courage to invade our brokenness. That I'm not only the one that has been faithful in the past, and I'm not only the one who is your hope for your future, but I'm right here, I'm right for you. Every moment. Someone needs to be reminded of that. In fact, every time we come together, we need to remind each other that God is our present help right here, right now. That God is working for us. That God is moving things for us. That God is helping us right now, right here. In Psalms 46 verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. See, God is with you right now. God is for you right now. God is helping you right now. God is moving you through your sorrow right now. God is helping you kick that addiction right now. He's a right now God. And the reason why we need to remind ourselves of this is because sometimes our pain makes us lose sight of the help of God. Sometimes our frustration makes us lose sight of the help of God. Sometimes our, 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 our disappointment blinds us to the present help of God. And so we need to remind ourselves that God is helping us, that God is for us. Disappointment blinds us. Discouragement tries to blind us. Remember, I brought to our attention on the sunrise service that on the day that Jesus rose from the grave, the most victorious day in all of history, the day where he could have been on the gates of hell taking a selfie and bragging about how he destroyed the devil, but instead, on Resurrection Day, we find Jesus on a dirt road, and he chases down two disappointed, two discouraged disciples who are walking away from God. They're walking away from Jerusalem. Remember, we learned that. I want to call your attention again to Luke chapter 24, verse 15. Listen to what it says in Luke 24. It says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. So notice on the day of the resurrection, Jesus chases down these discouraged disciples. And listen to what it says. The next verse 16. It says, but they were kept from recognizing him. One of the most saddest verses in the entire Bible how in the world can God in the flesh be walking alongside of you, talking to you, helping you, and you don't even recognize he's there? You'll be surprised at how many people do not recognize the help of God in their life because discouragement uh, blinds them, disappointment blinds them, uh, uh, and the situation blinds them. And I want to encourage you today. I want to remind you that God is working on your behalf. That God is working on your behalf. Even though you may not see it, even though you may not feel it, God is still 
helping you out. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Let, me, let me share with you this story about a sister in our church. I want to show you this picture of Sister uh, Jeannie. I think we have her picture that I want to show. Uh, Sister Jeannie goes to our Whittier campus, and that's her granddaughter. I was with her last night at our service at 5 p.m. And Sister Jeannie uh, retired from about 30 years of working at the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice. I think it was about 30 years. And we have a strange connection because when I was serving my life sentence in prison, before you can get released, you had to sit before the parole board. And the parole board will evaluate if you were rehabilitated or not. And for five consecutive years, the parole board granted me a release date. They said I was rehabilitated. And what they would do is they would take my file and they would send it to the governor's office for review. And the governor of California has a single-handed power to block my release so for five consecutive years after the parole board said i was ready to be released they would send my file to the governor's office for review and for five years the governors blocked my release and sent me back to the parole board hearing well on the sixth time that I went up for the pro uh, hearing, the pro gave me a release date. They got my file. They sent it up to the governor's office. And by the grace of God, the governor did not block my release. And so in 2008, I was released from prison. Well, in 2012, around that time, when we started our church, Sister Jeannie comes up to me. I never met her before. And she says, Brian... I'm going to tell you something, but you're not going to believe it. I said, go ahead, tell me. She said, you don't know me, but I know about you. And so I was like, okay. She says, I work for the Department of Justice. And I remember in 2008, your file came through the office that I was connected to in the Department of Justice. And I remember there was a team that read about you serving the Lord and read about your testimony and we were praying over your file. We were praying over your release. We were praying that the governor would have favor on you. Now listen. In 2008, I'm on the backside of the desert like Moses in Blythe, California, in a prison, praying to God, Lord, I pray for my file, Lord, I pray that you give me favor. I pray for the people around my file. Touch their heart, Lord, touch their heart. But I can't see what God is doing. I can't see what God is doing, but best believe, how many of you know, God is always working something out for your glory and his glory and your benefit. And so I want to encourage somebody's faith today. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, God is a present help in your situation right now. And God, Jesus says to you, 
as he's told Mary 2,000 years ago. Do you believe? Do you believe? Will you believe? Will you trust in me? Will you rely on me? Will you lean on me? God, his cries going out to this generation. Do you believe? Will you trust in me? That's the question we need to think about this week. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments, I want us to think about the word of the Lord. I want us to think about this question. Do you believe? Will you believe? In the midst of your situation, will you believe? Will you trust in God? Will you rely on God? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's reflect upon the word of the Lord. Those that are watching on, online, let's bow our heads and reflect upon the word of the Lord. This is an important part of our time where we pause. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Maybe there's someone in here who's going through a hard time and you need prayer that the Lord strengthen your faith. You need prayer that the Lord reveal himself to you during these moments of your life. If there's anybody who needs prayer for stronger faith, if there's anybody who needs prayer for God to reveal himself to you in a clearer, more powerful way, I want to pray with you right where you're at. If you need that type of prayer, I want to invite you to just stand up on your feet. If you need that type of prayer, just stand up on your feet. And I'll pray with you right where you're at. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who stood up. You know what they're going through, Lord God. You know what's happening in their life, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you strengthen them, Lord God. Lord, I pray for their faith, that you anchor their faith in your word. I pray that the word that was taught today strengthen their faith, Lord God. Your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, in the midst of their situation, I pray that you reveal yourself to them. I pray for a more clear revelation of who you are. I pray, Father God, reveal yourself to them, Lord God. Fill them with a revelation. Help them to seek your face, Lord God. So we know, Lord God, you want to show yourself to them. 
you want to show yourself to them. So I pray for them, Lord. Draw them closer to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone says, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise. God is good all the time. Did you learn something today? Amen. I want to encourage you to take this journey with us as we seek to study the I am statements of Jesus. I encourage you to search them out throughout the week. Get ahead of us uh, as next week we come and we study the next one uh, together. At this time, I'm going to call up Pastor Martin to lead us in our tithes and offerings. Give it up for Pastor Martin. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. God is so good. As we transition to our giving this morning, the scripture I want to share with you comes out of the New International Version. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. This is what the Word of God says. Whatever you give is acceptable. If you give it eagerly, or the translations say willingly, or readiness to give. And the word says, and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. See, many times we come to church and we feel that we can't give enough because we don't have enough to give. How many of you understand? Pastor Brian just mentioned the I am statements. Even though we don't feel that we're enough, Jesus is enough in us. So don't ever feel guilty that you may not give more than the other person. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. The Lord will bless you in whatever it is that you are able to give. How do you say that, Pastor? Because it says it in his word. It says it in his word. You want me to give you the LBC translation of this? Don't feel guilty. Don't let anybody tell you that you need to give more than what you're already giving. If you give more, that is where the sacrifice comes in. How many are willing to sacrifice and bring to God what rightfully belongs to Him? God is so good. He's so good. I have a few announcements as the ushers make their way to the front. We can give by debit machine. We can facilitate that giving in the back for you. There are envelopes behind your seats. You can give that way as well. Or you can uh, text to the numbers that are on the screen. Or you can mail it in as well. We have a QR code that you're able to use your smartphone. And you're able to connect in regards to your giving. Or you can give online to chapelofchange.org. Amen. Uh, we have our uh, Impact Young Adults Bible Study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall, which is found right over to my right and your left. Amen. God is so good in what he does. We also have our marriage ministry. I mean, here are married. Sometimes we need help in our marriage. Amen. We need to be able to connect with other couples that... Amen. To press forward to the next level that God wants us to be in. Marriage ministry Fridays at 7 p.m. at our Carson campus. Amen. And starting on the 22nd of this month, Kingsmen Discipleship at 8 a.m. here 
in our Paramount campus in the fellowship hall. And it looks like the women are the only ones clapping. Amen. So they want you out of the house, man. Get out, get fed, get encouraged so that you can come back and be the man of God he's called you to be. Amen. We have our baptism class. How many of you are getting baptized today? If you guys, we're going to be meeting in the fellowship hall. We're going to be having a class upstairs and letting you know what baptism is about. They're going to be setting up right here in the sanctuary. If you want to get baptized, we've seen many people get baptized in their clothes. They make that decision right then and there and they get baptized. So if you feel led to do that, meet us in the lobby right after service. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise. And that you would bless everyone, Lord God, that has the ability to give. And Father, if they don't, don't let any condemnation come upon them. But give them the resources to be able to give in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. custom here at Chapel of Change. We will extend our hands as in the receiving mode. In the name of the Father that has loved you with everlasting love. In the name of Jesus who died so you could leave. In the name of the Holy Spirit who is your present help. May you go in the power and the blessing of the Lord. God bless you. And for those who need extra help, we'll have pastors here in the front and some leaders. Would you come and uh, if you want extra prayer, we are here for you. God bless you.